So one of the biggest questions I get asked as a pastor is, what is this whole speaking in tongues thing? What's going on with speaking in tongues? Has everyone been in the church and heard someone uttering some symbols, looking like they're getting down, just doing some symbols? You're like, what is going on here? I thought this was an English-speaking church. Has anyone experienced that? And said to yourself, hold on, am I not spiritual enough? Am I not loved enough? Do I not get it? Or is that person straight out of their mind? These are the questions we ask ourselves. And the worst thing we to do is say, I'm just not going to think about it. They do what they do. I do what I do. Everyone's moving on. We need to go to the scriptures and find out what is that all about? What do the scriptures teach about tongues? Why were tongues? When were they birthed? What is their purpose? Are they for today? All these questions need to be asked and answered, and they are answered in the scriptures. So the first thing I want to lay for the foundation, when you're thinking of speaking in tongues, and you heard people talk about it, and you're asking all these questions, is Wayne Grudem talks about this in his systematic theology book. There's two ways that words interpreted tongue in the scriptures. One is tongues. The other way is languages. And so it's the word glossa. It means tongues and languages. And he says sometimes he feels it's not as helpful when it says speaking in tongues because people don't understand that it also can mean speaking in languages, having the gift of speaking in languages. Because if we thought about that, just like every gift of the Spirit, people try to make it just um, overly mystical and floaty and transcendent. Speaking in tongues. Like it gets all this kind of mist around it, right? When you talk speaking in languages and the gift of speaking in languages, it makes so much more sense when you're trying to understand what the gift of tongues are. Like this, for example. People, not so much when I'm older now, but when I was younger, everyone thought I was Spanish. So people would come up like, como esta? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm talking full sentences. I lived in Lynn, so there's a high Spanish population. So I'd just be at the bus stop, I'll be someone, people would start speaking to me in Spanish, and I'm just like, okay, I don't know, rolling with it. And by the time they saw the bewildered look on my face and realized this dude is in English, he's just really Italian, they said, oh, and they started speaking in English everything they just said. So they would say a few sentences, then they would translate it into English so I could understand. It is the same with tongues. When tongues was first birthed in Acts 2, and we'll talk about it today. When everyone from the um, 144 followers of Jesus started speaking in tongues, they were actually speaking in languages of different people groups who were going by. All, all different kinds. Egyptian people, Arabian people, Galileans, Mesopotamians, all these kind of people walking by who spoke many different languages. And when they uttered, when they were, received that gift of tongues, they actually were speaking in different languages, the, the mighty works of God and the gospel. And people heard it and they were amazed because they realized they only spoke the language of Hebrew or Aramaic. So it was a miracle done and a gift given that they were proclaiming the gospel to people in their own native tongue. So when you think of the gift of languages, it helps so much more than just the gift of tongues. It's the same with the church. If someone spoke in tongues or spoke in languages in the church, what did they say? Have someone who can interpret there so people can understand what's being spoken. So it's always supposed to be translated. And then you have a third thing where they talk about speaking in tongues, and we'll tackle this, 
where it seems that the Bible is talking about some angelic heavenly language that certain people have the gift of to speak in their own personal prayer life. And it says, don't do that in public because people will think you're bananas. Right? And so we're going to tackle some of those things today. And hopefully we grow in our understanding of the gospel. But let's turn to Acts 2, 1 through 13. Someone's slamming offering baskets back there. Okay. It's going to be up here so you can read along with us. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. There were devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native tongue? Now I'm going to pronounce some of these names wrong here. As I grow, I'll get everyone down. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. I went like eight for ten. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And we all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were walking and saying they are filled with new wine. Do you hear that text? Even with the foundation I just laid for you, you're thinking differently about tongues. Because sometimes our experience with tongues becomes how we understand tongues. So that person in the 18th row in our church when we were growing up that kept speaking in tongues and bugging your friends out, that's how you think of tongues. You're like, man, i got to keep people away from there. i got to sit in the front. But when you go to the scriptures, you start to understand that tongues were used as languages to proclaim the gospel where actually 3,000 people after the gift of tongues, when Peter got up to speak, 3,000 people came to Christ and started the church. So let's get a little background here so you understand this gift. When Jesus rose from the grave, he spent 40 days with his disciples teaching about the kingdom of God. He taught about heaven. He taught about hell. He taught about love. He taught about serving. He taught about, talked about him coming back again. But after those 40 days, when he spent with roughly 500 people of his disciples, he ascended into heaven. Everyone know, heard of the ascension? It's an important doctrine of our faith that Jesus ascended into heaven and said, I will come back in the same way that I have ascended. And then the angels told him and Jesus told him, he said, go wait because I'm sending a helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will empower you to be witnesses. So they went into the upper room, day of Pentecost, and they're waiting and they're praying there. Guess how many people were in the upper room? There were 500 when it started. Guess how many people were praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit? 144 people. That shows the heart of man, doesn't it? 500 people see a resurrected Jesus, are here in the kingdom of God, see him ascend into heaven. 
but only 144 are faithful waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. That should be a testament of the human heart right there. 356 people who saw Jesus with, with Jesus, learned from Jesus, decided that this world had too much to offer. They loved this world, or they loved the things of this world, or they were too afraid of the risk of being a Christian. So 356 people went down even before the Holy Spirit came. That's an important thing to remember, people. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Remember that. Remember that. And people say, well, if I saw Jesus, I'd be so devout. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You're devout because of faith and you're devout because of the gospel. Even when Jesus was here, people say, give us miracles and we'll believe. He said, all the prophets gave you miracles and I'll give you miracles and you still won't believe. I just a little side note about the heart of man there. But there's 144 people waiting in the upper room. And all of a sudden, like a mighty Russian wind, the Holy Spirit fills each person with himself. And tongues of fire appear. And they start, this is what happens when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They start to utter languages of other people groups. And they're uttering the mighty works of God. So everyone know when you hear a big bang in town, you run to see what happened. There were some helicopters flying crazy over Wakefield High a few weeks ago. And I just pulled over. I had to see what was going down because they kept going. And you saw everyone pulling over to see what was going on. It was the same thing when all the different people groups heard the Holy Spirit like a mighty Russian wind enter the upper room. People started coming out of their houses and running to where the disciples were and said, what just happened. And when they did that, they all heard in their own language the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ, the gift of languages. Now, why, some of you might ask, why would God do that? Why would God cause his first disciples, 144 people, to start speaking in different languages? This is the gospel right here. It was a sign that now the gospel was not only for the Jewish or the Hebrew people, but for all nations. Do you guys hear that? Because that's huge right there. Because it was an exclusive crew who were loved by God, who were protected by God, who God revealed himself to. And they spoke one language. Some of them spoke Aramaic as it got closer to Jesus. But that's this close language. It's kind of like Spanish and Portuguese. They're close. The dialect, it, it, it's close there. And so the people of the world knew that the Jewish people were unique, that God was covering them, he was delivering them, he was doing the miraculous, he was sending prophets, but they knew that the the covenant people of God, it was exclusive. It was exclusive. Now you could become part of the Jewish people if you believed in God, but everyone in a unique and loving way, God chose the Hebrew people who spoke that one language. What happens when those same Hebrew people are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and they're uttering the gospel in all those native tongues, Egyptian and Mesopotamian and Greek and whatever was spoke on that day? People say, hold on. Now the gospel is open to all tribes, all tongues, all nations. That's what God was doing that day. He was opening up the gospel so it would go throughout the whole world and it would spread like wildfire in the power of the Holy Spirit. What did he promise Abraham when he chose him as a nation? He said, Abraham, I'm choosing you to be a royal priesthood, a chosen people, and all nations will be blessed through you. This was this coming to fruition that every nation was being blessed 
Because of Jesus came through the line of Abraham, and now all, every tongue, every nation, every tribe could put their faith in Jesus and come to faith. Isn't that awesome? You guys don't understand how big that was. That was huge. And you even see in Revelation 7, 9, part of the plan of God, that all tongues, all tribes, all nations will be stand with all languages before God, bow before God, worship in the Holy Lamb. That's part of the plan of God, that people across the whole world in different languages would believe in God and would know God through the power of Jesus. Secondly, it, it was a sign straight out the gate that the gospel was about going. It was about going. And I think in today that's, we really need to be reminded of this. Oftentimes we think the gospel and spreading the message about staying. We're Bostonians, right? We want to stay in our house. We want to go to our restaurants. We want to have our routines. We don't want to be sent to people to share the gospel. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to make new friends. We don't want to do those kind of things. But the gospel is about going. And the fact that you're preaching the gospel in different languages with the gift of languages, those people are all now going and taking that gospel home where it's never been before. They're preaching something amazing. They're preaching that there's only one God. Most people believed in many gods. They're preaching there's one God, and that's God sent his own son to die for us. Here we see the gift of languages, tongues, God, the Holy Spirit, using that in a way. Jared, I love you, but you've got to sit down, brother. Much love. You know I love you. We talked. I gave you my number. We're moving on. So you see that God is using the gift of languages to show people that the gospel is now for all people. But the question is, how does it function today in the local church? How is that? So we're going to do everyone. I read 1 Corinthians 14 a few weeks ago, but today I want to narrow that down a few things for you. It seems that Paul is saying that we should desire to prophesy more than speaking in tongues. And he's saying that tongues is not as much a public thing as it is a personal thing. So let's get at this. Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we had people in the church that were walking up to each other and just speaking in tongues to each other. All Corinthians wrote in because of hyper charismatic experience, right? I don't know how many of you have been in charismatic church. We talked about it, but I've seen people just talking in tongues. I've seen people just walking through the hallways. I've seen all those kind of things and people walk through and they say, you're crazy. This is crazy. I'm, I'm talking Jesus. Loving people walk through and say, this whole place is bugging me out. Paul has to write Corinthians just to straighten everything that's going on and bring order. So the first thing he says, desire to prophesy more than speaking in tongues. Then he says, speaking in tongues is for building you up, but prophesying is for building everyone up. Now I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Verse 5, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Now he said, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will it benefit you? He's saying, if I speak in tongues, it's not going to be any benefit to you. And it goes on and on and on to the point where Paul said, I would rather speak five words that you can understand than a thousand words in tongues. This is important because my first experience with tongues 
I was seven or eight years old. We were down at the Medford Shell, and there was a concert down there. There was a big music concert. And I'm sitting there, and everyone's singing, and the guy behind me is uttering symbols, syllables that I have no idea what he's saying. And what do you do when you're seven, eight years old and you see someone uttering syllables that you have no idea what they're saying? You laugh. So I started laughing and kept laughing and was like, well, what is going on here? You know what my parents did to me? They punished me because they weren't doctrinally sound. This is how people are. People are afraid almost to talk about the things of the Holy Spirit because they're afraid, first of all, they, want to, want to, they don't want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit because if there's an unforgivable sin, we don't want to commit it, right? And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Secondly, people don't want to even dress something like that because it's so supernatural. What do you even do? But if you look to Scripture, you see that Paul says, do not speak in tongues in public unless there's an interpreter. So everyone who's speaking in tongues in the gathered assembly with no interpreter I'm not saying their motives are devious. I'm saying they're not theologically sound and they're causing people, like it says in the same chapter, Paul, Apostle Paul says, people will think you're out of your mind if you pray in tongues and there's no interpreter. Can I get an amen on that? People don't even realize that's in the scripture. People have no idea. And they're like, oh, I I don't want to offend them. I don't want to say this. Listen, there's nothing devious, but we need to know that people are not being more spiritual. Actually, sometimes it can be selfish when people do that. It's all about, you have a people, it's all about freedom. I just need to be free. Don't hinder me. I got my box. I'll break out of it. I'll dance. I'll speak in tongues. The Bible forbids to speak in tongues if you don't have an interpreter because people will think you're out of your mind. It actually tells you, if there's not an interpreter, keep silent. Keep silent. Has anyone heard that before? Did you know that? But this is important about God, the Holy Spirit, and his work. So you know that when you've been to churches where they're doing it, they got people who love Jesus, but they're not theologically sound, and the feelings you had towards it weren't wrong. Isn't that good to know? When you go home, I feel like when I talk to people who are speaking in tongues, they're like, listen, they speak tongues and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, okay, brother, it's all right, because they're off base, man. Because the scriptures are telling us that. We need to know that to be theologically sound. But it seems like Paul's talking about two two kinds of tongues. One, as it got birth and it was introduced, the gift of speaking in languages so other people could hear it. And that needed to be used in that time. And still it can be used, and we'll get to it in this time today. But it also seems that he's talking about an angelic language because Paul says, or heavenly language, He says, I pray in tongues more than any of you. And he said that speaking in tongues builds you up. But he also says that the gifts of tongues are not for everyone. Not everyone has that gift. And let me help read a few scriptures here for you to understand. In verse 4, it says, the one who speaks in tongues builds up himself. In verse 14, it says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, this is a big one to understand. It's one of the most read scriptures in the Bible. And understand, when Paul's writing between 12 and 14 and 13, he says this for a reason. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, or the language of men and of angels, but have not love of nothing. Why is he talking about speaking in the tongues of men and the angels when he just addressed in 12, 14 about speaking in tongues? And he says, even in the um, congregation, that when they're talking, they're speaking mysteries. 
that the Spirit knows, that God knows. These kind of things is important because some people have a gift. Some of you here might have a gift where God has allowed you to pray in the Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit or will gift you to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in your personal prayer life. And I don't want you thinking you're out of your mind or bugging yourself out because there's nothing worse than when you're bugging yourself out and you're alone. But God might give some of you the gift of speaking in tongues. So how does that work in today's at Restoration Road? So what am I trying to say here? How does this apply to Restoration Road? First of all, some people are what they call cessationists. That means they believe that God, the Holy Spirit, isn't working in the same way with the same giftings, and some of those giftings have ceased. And one of the giftings they believe to have ceased is the gift of tongues. There's so much. I understand how attractive that is. That's very attractive to me. I'm such a safe person. I'm trying to be less safe. But I'm like cushioning everything. Everyone stay in the house. Make some bubbles. Get in them. So that doctrine to me is so appealing because it allows things to be so safe. There's no discernment needed. There's no maturity needed. But when I look through the scriptures, there's nowhere in the scriptures that I see that say the gifts have ceased. There's nowhere. And I've looked, man. I've, loved, I've read Strange Fire. I've read some of Authentic Fire. I've studied in and out. I looked everywhere trying to find out what do the scriptures say. And to my understanding, it does not say that these gifts have ceased. And some people do a bad exposition of 1 Corinthians 13, and they say, when tongues cease and prophecy cease and this cease. But what that's talking about is talking about the return of Jesus. That's talking about when Jesus returns, there'll be no need for prophecy. There'll be no need for tongues. There'll be no need for those things from my understanding of the scriptures. So the gifts of tongues is still for today. So first, it can be used in an evangelistic way. Imagine you went to a place where they don't speak your language and you're trying to share the gospel. Wouldn't it be awesome and miraculous the Holy Spirit moved on you to speak a sentence in their native language and that would blow their mind and be a sign that God was moving? Imagine Alicia went to Senegal and she was designing and she was in a situation where God moved on her to speak a sentence of God's love to somebody in their own native tongue. I believe God can still do that if he chooses. Does anyone question that God can do anything he wants at any time? If he moved in this powerful way, he can still move for his glory to advance the gospel. Therefore, I wouldn't be surprised, and I've heard stories of people being in other nations where they don't speak the language, and all of a sudden God moves on them to preach the gospel in their own language. That's how it used today. That's why you don't see it all the time here, because 99% of us are speaking the same language. Or if we're bilingual, we can still speak English. So you're not going to see it as prominent working in an evangelical way here. Secondly, some of you, God has called to speak in tongues in your own personal prayer life. And you know what that looks like. You might speak syllables and languages that are mysteries to you that are interceding to God to build yourself up. And you need to be built up for the mission of God in your own life to stay on fire, to do the work of God, and to advance the gospel. Do not, the scriptures say, do not forbid to speak in tongues. I want to encourage you, if God has given you that gift, speak in tongues. But thirdly, I also want you to know this, that you don't have to speak in tongues to assure that you are saved. Has everyone heard that doctrine? I'm in the emergency room, okay, in Winchester, Lydia's spot. I'm in the emergency room in Winchester. Lady asks, what do you do for work, this and that? I'm sick. 
And she's like, um, you're a pastor. He said, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, she said to me. I was like, what? <laughs> what you call me out here? So if I say no, I'm not even a Christian? That's what some people believe. They believe there's two categories of Christians. The spirit-filled ones and the ones who haven't figured it out. That is not theologically sound. When you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people have the gift. The evidence you are saved is Jesus Christ on the cross, not speaking in tongues. Do you guys hear me? That is huge because people divide the body of Christ and are not theologically sound when they say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. How scary is that? First of all, it's not theologically sound. Sometimes stuff's scary and it's good, but when scary and it's incorrect, you want to throw it out the window. How many people will feel like they're not loved by God, not saved by God, are not spiritual enough if they don't speak in tongues? Right? It creates a class and a division in the body of Christ is not healthy. You guys hear what I'm preaching? That's what I want you to hear. It's not evidence that you are saved. Jesus on the cross is evidence you're saved and that faith in the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But some people have that gift and it's used in a, as a powerful weapon to advance the gospel. And in closing, speaking in other languages supernaturally is the gift that is meant to glorify God, advance the gospel, and build up the believer. We should earnestly desire it. And if God the Holy Spirit chooses to gift us with it, we should use that weapon to advance the gospel and the, for the glory of God throughout the world. So some of you might say, should I desire to speak in tongues? Or some of you say, I'm too scared even to talk like that and think like that. If God puts it on your heart, if you feel like that's something that you want God to gift, gift you with, pray. Pray in your own personal prayer time. And if God chooses to do that for his glory and your good, he does it. But if he doesn't do it, that doesn't mean you're any less loved by God. You know, I heard John Piper tell a story. He wanted this gift so bad. And he was teaching his congregation. He's like, I want the gift of speaking in tongues. I want it so bad. And he was out in his car one day, and he said, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. It's going to happen, whatever. And he started just uttering symbols, syllables and stuff. Halfway through it, he said, I'm not speaking in tongues. He said, it is not my gift. <laughs> you know, it's okay to say that. Like, that's okay and healthy to say, like, if God gives it to you, you will know. The Holy Spirit will cause you to utter it. It will be the glory of God. If you don't have it, you have other gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. But let's be open to it. That's what I want us as a church. Let's be open to the fact that God can move on someone to speak in tongues. Let's not forbid it. Let's not look down on it. But let's be open to the Holy Spirit to move in our lives in that way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.